Amen. Beautiful. Thank you so much, choir. Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 8 this morning, please. The Old Testament book of Judges chapter 8. Some wag once wrote, I'm paid to be a foreman. My job is leading men. My boss thinks I'm a natural, but if I am, why then? I wish someone would tell me why snow swept walks I clean when in the house sit two grown sons who made the football team. I want to talk to you today about leadership, particularly the leadership that you exercise, your leadership. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I am not a leader. I'm no leader. You're talking to the wrong person. Well, before you decide to get up and leave today, let me define what I'm talking about when I talk about leadership. What do I mean when I'm talking about leadership to you today? If we had to boil leadership, we had to define it using only one word, and we're not going to use the word lead, uh, how would we define it? Well, I think J. Oswald Sanders... Uh, was right when he wrote basically this leadership. Are you ready? Is influence. Leadership is influence. Now, if you let me expand a little bit more, I'll give you this whole sentence. He says leadership is influence. The ability of one person to influence others to follow his or her lead. Leadership is influence. Now, using that definition, leadership is influence. And I want to talk to you about your leadership. Uh, do you still think you're not a leader? I hope not. Every one of us, pretty much, I think here today, would be a leader in one way, shape, or another. We could go down sometimes and uh, watch the children play. And when you do that, you're going to see leadership in action. Somebody's in that group is going to say, hey, let's play Thomas the Train. And somebody says, no, let's play Dora the Explorer. Somebody says, no, I want to play Princess and, and I want to play uh, Home and I want to play House. And, and leadership rises to the surface, doesn't it? Somebody there is trying to uh, put forth a little influence on the crowd and lead them in his or her way. You're a leader, like it or not. You're influencing somebody, maybe many people like it or not. You may even be paid to be a leader today. That may be your position. But regardless, you are a leader. You're influencing somebody somewhere. So I want to talk to you today about your leadership. And as we look at this subject, we're going to look at it in regards to the life of our man Gideon. We've been studying Gideon together, and here we are, uh, Gideon chapter, uh, Judges chapter 8, looking at Gideon in his post-war days. His post-war days. Now, he's finished off the enemy. He finished off the enemy kings, the Zeba and Zalmunna. And God led him to take that army of 300 men and defeat an army of 135,000 men. And uh, God gave an awesome victory. And we're not going to rehash everything we've already covered in our study. We're going to pick up right here after the final victory. So look in your Bibles, please. Judges chapter 8, and I'll begin reading at verses, uh, verse 22. Judges 8, 22, as we take a look at your leadership. Judges 8, 22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from, from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder. 
for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was one thousand seven hundred shekels of gold. Besides the crescent ornaments, pendants and purple robes, which were on the kings of Midian. And besides the chains that were around their camels necks. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Let's pray. Father, we need your help right now. Father, I pray that you would speak through me and use me. Lord, impact and have your will in the life of each person here. May your Holy Spirit work in our midst and be our teacher, I pray in Jesus name. Amen. You know, the great thing about most of the Bible biographies when we read about the men and women of the Bible is the fact that God often paints their portraits, warts and all. Uh, He shows us the good things and he shows us the bad thing. And the story of Gideon doesn't end with the. the Zeb and Zalmunna dying, uh, Gideon will live out the rest of his life and he's going to make some really bad decisions, some really poor choices. And we're going to talk about those today and, and the next couple of weeks and see what we can learn from his life. Now, Gideon is in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But to be honest, beloved, he did not finish as strongly as he could have finished. And it's a reminder of what Andrew Bonar once said. He said, let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Let us be as watchful after the victory, after we've come through victorious, to still be watchful as we are before the battle. Today we want to focus on his post-war leadership, and I want to show you several things. First of all, what he got right. What he got right. Getting what he got right. I want you to notice verse 28 pretty much sums up. Uh, one great thing he got right, it says in verse 28, Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so they could lift it up their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. So we know that Gideon did a very thorough job in dealing with the Midianites and he put them down, God leading him and God providing there. And these enemies did not lift their heads for 40 years. And so he got that right. Something else he got right was how he responded to the request that these men made to him. In verses 22 and 23, these men come to him and say, listen, we want to make you our king. And we want you to be our king and your son to be our king and your grandson to be our king. In other words, we want to set up a dynasty with you being the head of that. And it was a very, very uh, flattering approach, to say the least. And we can understand why they did this from a human standpoint. I mean, here Gideon led them into victory and defeated these enemies. Actually, God did that. But these men focused their attention upon Gideon. And they said uh, there in verse 22, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson, uh, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. Now, sad to say, there's no mention of God here. It was God who had delivered them. It was God who had brought about the victory. But these men don't focus on God. They focus on Gideon. We don't see much praise and thanksgiving here among the children of Israel. They credited Gideon, but Gideon was just a tool In the master's hands. And listen, if God chooses to use you or chooses to use me to be a blessing to someone, we must always remember we're just a tool in the master's hand. The glory doesn't belong to us. It belongs to our God. 
And as flattering and as tempting as this must have been to Gideon, he flatly refuses the offer. He says, no. Verse 23, but Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. He directed their attention to where it belonged. Not upon Gideon, not upon Gideon's family, not upon what Gideon did, but upon the Lord. And what the Lord had done. You see, Israel was a theocracy. That is, God was their king. And when you consider that Israel was a theocracy, unlike all the other nations, you can see how wrong this request was on so many levels. And Gideon says, listen, I'm not going to serve as your king. My son's not going to serve. My grandson's not going to serve. No. But Gideon did exert leadership, no doubt about it. In fact, he couldn't help to. He was a leader among the people, but he was not going to take on that type of leadership, not the kingship. Now, it'd be awesome, beloved, if we could just close it up there, say, amen, praise the Lord, uh, pray, go eat lunch, take a nap, whatever. And if the story ended there, it'd be awesome. But sad to say, the story doesn't end there because Gideon goes the next step. And we see what he got right, but now we see what he got wrong. And it begins there in verse 24. We might call this the error of the ephod, the error of the ephod. Gideon refused the crown, but he asked for gold. And it says in verse 24, he says, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites, so they've gotten all this stuff from the victory. And they answered, well, gladly give them. And they spread the garment and they threw out all this gold, this earrings. And in fact, the weight was so much as 1,700 shekels of gold. He got quite a bit of gold. In fact, uh, scholars tell us that would be about 43 pounds of gold. That's a lot of money, no matter who you are, isn't it? Forty three pounds of gold. And some scholars jump all over Gideon's case here and say he was being greedy. But if you look at the text, it appears that he didn't ask for this gold for himself. If you go there and look next, it says in verse 27, then Gideon made it. That is all this gold. He made it into an ephod and he set it in the city Ophrah. Now, what in the world does that mean? Let's just be honest about it. I probably none, probably sure none of us woke up today thinking about an ephod. Right? We don't talk about ephods very much. What is an ephod? What in the world did Gideon make here? Well, the scholars tell us there are three possible alternatives concerning what this ephod was. Uh, it was it was a it could have been a garment that was made after the pattern of the high priestly ephod. You know, the high priest wore an ephod. And it could have been that he made something like that, but it had great gold ornamentation. That may be one possibility. Uh, it may have been a replica of that high priestly garment made of pure gold. He might have taken and made that ephod like the high priest would wear in total gold. Or some believe it could have been a freestanding image of some sort. He made an image of this gold. Now, why in the world would Gideon make this ephod? What was his motive? Well, to be sure, honest with you, I don't know. We're not exactly sure. I really don't believe that Gideon sought to lead the people into idolatry. I don't believe that for a second. He had just honored the Lord with his lips. He says, listen, the Lord shall rule over you. I'm not going to rule over you. He had just pointed their attention to Jehovah. So why would he make a golden ephod? 
Warren Wiersbe may have been right. He said Gideon may have made the ephod as a representation of Jehovah to help the people in their worship. In other words, they could look at this golden ephod and be helped in their worship of the Lord. But listen, he knew that was wrong. It's wrong to make an idol. Exodus 24 through 6. Listen, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or it's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so if he was making this ephod to help the children of Israel, he was breaking God's command. We don't use images and things today to help us worship. We worship in spirit and truth. And so this one bad decision, it harmed Gideon. It harmed his family. It harmed his nation. Look at the end of verse 27. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. They begin to use it as an idol. The children of Israel, if you will. Now, leadership is what? What did we say it was? Influence, right? And Gideon's influence, Gideon's leadership went awry right here. Instead of turning the people's hearts toward God, he literally, I think by mistake, a very bad decision, turned the people's hearts away from God. You see, as a leader, it's not only what you say, it's what you do. It's the idea that your talk And your walk should match. He said the right thing in verse 23. The Lord shall rule over you. But he did the wrong thing in the verses right after. So we know what he got right. We know what he got wrong. Now here is the third point. What can we take with us today? In other words, what does this mean to us today? We've got Gideon making a golden ephod. And the people are playing the harlot with it. And they had peace 40 years. So what does that mean to us today, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. How can what Gideon did right and wrong help us? Now, we're leaders, right? Leadership is what? Influence. It's influence. We can be good leaders or we can be bad leaders. We can give good influence. We can give bad influence. And sometimes we can even influence people we don't mean to. I think Gideon did that here. He did not seek to harm the worship of God. I want to give you four action points to take with you today to help you in your leadership. Four things to help you in your leadership. You're a leader. You influence somebody. So here are four things for you to consider. And when I say consider, here's what I mean by that. Consider means to give serious and careful thought to something. And I want you to consider these four things when it comes to your leadership. Whoever you're leading. You ready? Number one, consider your motives. Consider your motives. Really ask this question. Why? Why? Why am I wanting to do this? Why do I want to tackle this? Why am I doing this? What is my true motivation? What is the motivating force behind this decision? And it appears here Gideon did not take time to really think this ephod thing through. It appears it happened all very quickly. They said, Gideon, rule over us. You and your son and your grandson. He says, no, I will not rule over you. Well, maybe not like that. But no, I will not rule over you. He said, I got a request of y'all. Well, he wasn't Southern, but I got a request of you. 
I want some golden earrings. And they say, well, gladly give them. And Gideon says, I think I'll make a golden ephod out of this stuff. And I'll set it up. And he didn't consider his motives. He didn't consider this decision. And I think his motives were probably good. I don't believe he sought to lead them into sin and wickedness. But he made a mistake. Now, some think that Gideon was doing this out of pride. And some scholars believe that Gideon really did do this to lift himself up. And some people uh, see that this is something that was truly wicked. We don't know his motives. But I believe that he really thought it through. He really thought it through. I don't believe there would be an ephod. I don't believe we would have read this portion to you. Let's be honest. Sometimes we fool ourselves. Sometimes we fool ourselves. We lie to ourselves about our motives. We were, I was joking about this this morning as we had to write down in our Sunday school class a little something. And I asked the question, uh, are we supposed to answer this carnally or spiritually? The question was, what is one possession that you had that you would hate to lose? And I said, are we supposed to answer this spiritually or carnally? In other words, am I supposed to write down my Bible? Or am I supposed to write down my comic books or whatever? Sometimes we fool ourselves. We, we, we say what we know we ought to say and we answer the way we know we ought to answer, but it's not the truth. So what I'm saying is consider your motives. Consider what is truly the motive behind what you're doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? One really good way to clarify your motives. Are you ready for this? Is to take them to the Lord in prayer. And lay them out before God and say, God, I'm looking at doing this and really to come clean before the Lord and get to the real heart of the matter. What is your motive? When it comes to your leadership, when it comes to your influence, when it comes to your actions, consider your motives. Why do you want to do this? Why are you doing this? I don't believe Gideon did this. Number two, consider the teachings of the word of God. Consider the teachings of the word of God. Let's say his motives were good, but misdirected. Let's say his motive was, I want to help the people of Israel to worship Jehovah. And I'm going to set up this image, this this ephod, whatever it was. And I want them to look at that and I want it to help them to worship the Lord. Now, if he had taken a moment to consider the teachings of the word of God, he knows that God clearly forbid The making of an image. We just read it from Exodus 20. We just read it. When it comes to your leadership, when it comes to your influence, here's the question. What does God's word say about it? What does God's word say about it? There are a lot of things we don't have to pray about. We don't have to wonder about them. A lot of things God is very clear in his word. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. There are things that says thou shalt. There's positives and negatives. And I have to pray about that. I have to get up today and say, Lord, do you really want me to go to church? Do you really want me there? Lord, do you really want me to give today? Lord, do you really want me to pray today? Do you really want me to honor you as being a husband and a father? I don't have to pray about that. God's word says do that. Consider the teachings of the word of God. Third, consider the leading for us today. Consider the leading of the Holy Spirit. As believers, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God and we should be filled by the Spirit of God. That is to be controlled by the Spirit. And when you're exercising leadership and that what's leadership, by the way, influence, right? 
When you're exercising leadership, how is the Holy Spirit leading you? He never leads contrary to the Bible. He never leads contrary to God's word. He never leads in a way that would dishonor God. That's why it's important for us to take a moment and stop and be slow and consider what we're doing, what we're about to do and why we're doing it. To allow God, the Holy Spirit, and to consider the word of God and to consider our motives. And knowing these things, we stop considering and start obeying. So there's the key. We can know all the scripture. We can know our motives and still go on in our sin. But God wants us to consider those things and then to obey him. If Gideon would just taken a step back and said, wait a minute, why am I doing this? What does what does the law of God say about this? I don't believe there would have been a golden ephod or whatever it was. Number four. You have considered your motives, consider the teachings of the word of God, consider the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number four, consider those who follow you. Consider those who follow you. Leadership is what? Influence. Who are you influencing? Who follows you? It may be your children. It may be your grandchildren. It may be some friends. It may be co-workers, neighbors, subordinates, employees, students, buddies. No matter what your age, you influence other people. And you got to remember what we do, what you do impacts somebody else. It does. You might think I'm weird. In this, but sometimes I stop and think about what would happen if I had a if I failed morally as your pastor. I don't dwell there, but sometimes I stop and think about that. I, I think about what that would mean to my wife. I think about what that would mean to my sons. I think about what that would mean to Red Hill Baptist Church. I, I think about what that would mean to this community. I think about what that would mean to the cause of Christ and the testimony of so many. If I failed morally as your pastor. We all impact other people. We all influence other people. We're all leaders. Do you ever think about what the fallout would be if you failed? I mean, morally, ethically, if you failed in your leadership. You ever consider those who follow you, those who look to you, those whom you influence? Gideon failed in making this ephod. It was just one bad decision. Just just one. I think made quickly. Hey, give me some golden earrings. I'm going to make this ephod. But look at the consequences, beloved. This one bad decision became a snare to Gideon, became a snare to his family. It led the children of Israel into idolatry. They played the harlot with this thing. One bad decision. We must be careful, even when we don't mean to. If we're not careful, we can have a detrimental influence on those who follow us. It was August 1994. I guess I just graduated high school myself. Seems like a long time ago. 
It's a ship called the Columbus Iceland. Was out doing environmental research off the Florida Keys. The ship ran aground. Ironically, the ship spilled 200 gallons of diesel fuel. Now get this. This ship was out doing environmental research and it was gathering data or data, however you want to say it, to be used to help manage ocean oil spills. And it runs aground and spills 200 gallons of diesel fuel. Aren't you glad you weren't the captain of that ship? And when it spilled the oil, it was actually in a marine sanctuary. Famous for its coral formations. And to make matters worse, when they tried to pull the ship free from that reef, a huge plume of sand came out. And guess what a huge plume of sand does in those areas? It can kill live coral. Now think about that. Here's this environmental ship. We're out here to help save the ocean. It runs aground, spills diesel fuel everywhere. It's in a marine sanctuary. They yank it out. It's killing live coral everywhere. Listen, the ship went out to preserve the seas, but it ended up polluting them instead. And if we're not careful in our leadership, if we're not careful in our influence, we can do the exact same thing. We can go out seeking to impact people for a positive way to live their lives and know Jesus Christ. But if we're not careful, we can do the exact opposite, just like Gideon. Gideon had just led them into victory, had just delivered them. God had used him. He just said, the Lord shall rule over us. And he says, here's an ephod that had harmed him and his family and the nation and the worship of God. I want to say today, beloved, in your leadership and your influence, consider your motives. Really, why? Consider the teachings of the word of God. What does God's word say about it? Consider the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. How is he guiding you? Cons- consider those who are looking to you, those who are following you, those whom you're influencing. And most of all, consider the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to fail him, do we? We don't want to stand before him one day as he looks at us and we see those scars in his hand and his feet and know that we messed up and know that we failed and know that we impacted somebody in a wrong way. Instead of for the Lord Jesus Christ, I say to you today, many women, let's lead with integrity. Let's lead. For the glory of God. Leadership is influence. You're influencing somebody. Remember Gideon. Now go and learn the lessons. And practice those lessons. And lead to the glory of God. Father, we love you. And we praise you and we thank you for this message. And I thank you, Lord, for Gideon. I thank you as a real man. And Lord, you saw fit to inspire That not only the good things, but also the bad things be recorded about him. We know that as believers, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our lives will be examined. Father, we dare not go forth in the arm of flesh and depending upon ourselves. We cry out to you. 
Help us to lead, to influence others for the glory of God. Help us to be dependent upon you. Help us to worship you. Help us to honor you. And help us to lead others to do the same. Bless this invitation, I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Christ, I pray they'll come during this time. If there are others, Lord, who maybe some issues in their life are not right and their influence is not right. Maybe it's a parent and their life is saying things to their child it shouldn't say. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a friend, a co-worker, whoever it may be. I pray during this invitation you'd work and move according to your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.